Jude 8 through 10. And uh, as we're there and uh, looking at Revelation 13 is the next chapter in our work through Revelation, studying much on that this week. And uh, there's a topic in there as it talks about uh, the false prophet and some of the signs and things that are coming with him. And so I want to talk on that today. In Jude, verse 8 through 10, Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally, as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Now, in the book of Judges, chapter 17, verse 6, we read about, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If every one of us are led by our emotions, you're going to have a lot of chaos. When each of us are, there's days that you might be feeling great and somebody else is feeling bad and they're going to be as grumpy as grumpy can be and man, they can take your good day and make it a bad day and lickety split, right? Because every man's doing that which is right in his own eyes. So if we're all going about way I feel as opposed to the principles and the truths of God's word, we're going to have chaos because there has to be a structure And Jude is dealing with people in the church who are filthy dreamers here. The filthy dreams of these people is seen in the outward display of what is in their wicked hearts. Now I want you to look with me at 2 Peter. You have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and right before that you have 1st, 2nd Peter. And so in 2nd Peter chapter 2, still in the introduction this morning, 2nd Peter chapter 2, verse 18 I am getting to a place, I'm just laying some foundation here on these very people with whom Jude calls filthy dreamers. In in uh, uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 18, Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist uh, shall come. Oh, I'm in 1 John. Let's try that again. I said 2 Peter up there. (laughs) All right, Uh, verse 18 of 2 Peter 2. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They're speaking words here as he's talking about these false teachers, words of vanity, that which is puffing you up and maybe making you feel very well at the time. They allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in air. And he's talking here that there's individuals that are saying, hey, you can live however you want to live your life and God's okay with it. You can live how you want They allure by the very things that bring you into bondage. Hey, you can have this when the Bible clearly says you can't. So he's talking, and then verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, someone gets saved. Right? They accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it, better, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them. Here's an individual that they have gone in a way, and uh, you know, in the verse 22, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, 
And the sow that was washed were wallowing in the mire. Someone, they come out of the world, they get away from all the, the vices and the addictions of life, and then in a time of, of discouragement, they listen to so-and-so, and so-and-so says, it's okay to do, uh, it's okay to drink, uh, it's okay to do this. And this individual who came out of it, they said, well, okay, I can drink in moderation. They end up going in, and they begin to become entangled again. And the, as they were an alcoholic before, they begin to become an alcoholic worse. It's like a dog. Have you ever seen a dog that eats its own vomit? I mean, it's disgusting. But a dog does that. It's gross. And returning to the very place where I was in the mud pit of the world. And these, these teachers are saying, hey, it's okay. There's liberty, and, and there is liberty, but I don't want to go back to the mud hole. I want to stay in that cleanliness. And this idea here is promoting, diluting false teachings. And this idea, the dreamers here, false dreams that fantasize in dreams. But in these things here in Jude, these individuals, a generic rebellion. A, a generic rebellion against the absolute truth of God's word. An individual might have a particular dream, and this dream is, flies in the face of the word of God. These individuals here in the church also, they defile the flesh, despise dominion. They're against duly appointed leadership and a tendency to be immoral. Little respect for authority because their way is the right way. They will not shy away from verbally attacking anyone who opposes them. May we as Christians know the truth of God's word and may this be the foundation of our lives. In Mark 13, 22, we've got to know and be settled. For it says in Mark 13, 22, For false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. He's talking about believers here that can be seduced, that can be uh, deceived into believing these things which are not of God. We must look out for the signs of these filthy dreamers and avoid them. And I want to talk about these very individuals today because as you come to the time of the Antichrist, in the end days when believers are raptured out of here, there's going to be a great deception. And we could think, how could I ever believe such a statement? How could I ever follow? You know, these individuals, uh, for instance, those that are, uh, follow this cult. And I remember back when I was a child, there was this cult. Uh, they thought the Hale-Bopp, the Hale-Bopp Comet or whatever it was. And they all, like there was this mass suicide of all this cult. How could those people ever follow a man? And this man went in and they thought if they died, they're going to go up to that comet. Forever. How do we ever get deceived? How, I mean, how do people follow false teaching? How do we ever get to the place of like Jim Jones and drinking the Kool-Aid and mass suicide on this compound? We don't have a settled foundation for thus saith the Lord. We are following people what they say, following their dreams and their visions, but we're not saying God's word is my guide for life. And I want to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness and grace. And Father, we're talking about a very serious subject this morning. and Lord, I want to help me to be accurate. I pray I'd be understandable. Lord, I need your help. Father, I understand that, Lord, if we believe falsehood, Lord, it leads us down a path the wrong way. 
Lord, I don't want to be wrong in any way. Father, I pray that we would be true to Thy Word. And Lord, should there be someone today, Lord, they said if they were to pass away, if if they were to breathe their last breath shortly after leaving service today, I pray, Lord, they'd settle where they're going to be in eternity. Settle it in Jesus Christ alone. And for us as believers, Lord, I just ask that if God says it, I want to follow it. If the Word of God says it, that's the authority. Lord, I yield today to Thee. I thank You for being our precious Savior. God, help me to be true to You. I love You. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. One of the things we find here as we look at verse 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Now in this defiling of the flesh, they are causing an impurity, potentially by immoral behavior. Now in 1 John, look with me at 1 John chapter 5, just a few uh, books back, 1 John. So you have Jude and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. So 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 19. The Bible tells us that Christians are not to live for themselves. Here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. End of the book. How do I stay from these idols? How do I stay from that which is false? The only opposite of false is true. Now the Bible also tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, Salvation for the Christian gives them ability to escape the bondage of lustful bondage. Meaning, if I, uh, my grandparents were very hard alcoholics, I've mentioned it many, many times over. They got away from the alcohol and, the, and, and just a life of abuse and were freed in Jesus Christ. They didn't have to give in to the sin of the past. They didn't have to be held in bondage. Because Jesus had freed them, Satan is no longer their father, God's their father, God's spirit indwells them, and now they have the ability with God to say no to sin. Now, you can choose to sin, and God's spirit will be vexed. You grieve the spirit of God. If you've ever grieved the spirit of God, I know I have. Man, it's a horrible feeling. It's an awful feeling to know that you are backsliding and you're away from God. I mean, it's a miserable feeling. You're just, it's James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I mean, it, you are just, you're miserable. But I want you to look with me at 2 Peter chapter 2. Can a Christian be in a backslidden state? And to that I say absolutely. A Christian, and I'm just... Uh, giving some foundational truths here from God's Word, but 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. We learn about Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible, filthy, vile cities with much, probably much diseases going on there. 
uh, very vile cities, and, and Lot got to the place he was willing to give his virgin daughters to some men that wanted to surround the house and they wanted relations with the men that were inside the house. Who were the, in fact, they were the angels, but they wanted relations with them, and Lot said, no, here, have my two virgin daughters. What wicked father could ever give his daughters over to a group of men that, I just, I can't even imagine it. Wicked. But we, tell, we learn something from the scriptures, 2 Peter chapter 2, and delivered, it makes a statement here, just Lot. Realize this, that after uh, Lot had left Sodom and Gomorrah, his wife turned around, became a pillar of salt, his daughters got their own dad drunk, had, more, had sexual relations with their dad, and had babies from their dad, that those babies would end up being some of the worst enemies of Israel. You talk about a messy family. Here is a messy family. But the Bible calls Lot just. He was a believer who had so adopted worldly ways into his thinking. But look with me what happens. And deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Lot looked just like the world. You wouldn't have never known that Lot was a believer. Lot, he looked like it, he talked like it, he acted like it. His mess of his family, he vexed. That vexing there is an internal, I mean, you're just grieved internally. You ever gone in a course of life as a believer, you know you're saved. And you're doing some things and you start to do it and man, inwardly, you're just like, I probably shouldn't be doing this. It says, Lot vexed. For that righteous man, verse 8, dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Day to day he was miserable. Verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust in the day of judgment to be punished. If you're a Christian and you're living in sin, you're doing things you know you ought not to be doing, God can deliver you from that. He can help you. But you have to have a way out. How do I get out? If I'm going a wrong... Lot was obviously in a wrong direction. It tells him that he's just. He's saved. Righteous. Just. But committing lewd, vile things. Some people say, how could a Christian ever do this? You begin to follow a path that is not true. You take misinformation and you follow it. Or you follow your heart. And there that word vex is to cause distress through oppressive means. To be distressed or worn out. Their soul had been liberated. I remember when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, it was like a huge weight of sin, a burden lifted. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. What is it in my life that is continually drawing me back? I mean, if I'm going in in the grocery store and, and I have impure thoughts, thoughts that tend to go towards the immoral, and I and I'm going through the grocery store, I don't need to walk down the magazine aisle. Because it's polluting my thoughts. And as you think about this, these men about whom Job is writing, Jude is writing, are religious, but they're spiritually at war with God. They persist in their foolishness without any sort of vexed spirit. They're not believers, but they appear to be believers. 
Filthy dreamers. They revel in their, uh, their foolishness. They revel in their rebellion. I'm going to do it my way. Now understand this. If you're a child of God, Hebrews 12 tells us, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? God's going to discipline us if you're a child of God. Discipline is to say, I love you. You're going the wrong way. Please don't do that. I've got a different way. And so there's going to be some consequences because of some wrong choices. If you choose to disobey the rules of the road and you're driving in opposition of traffic... You know, we drive on the right-hand side of the road, the direction we're going. If I decide to drive on the left-hand side, now I understand certain parts of the, different parts of the world have it differently, okay? But here in Canada, we drive on the right side of the road. If I decide to drive on the left side, and I say red light is go, green light is stop, you're going to have a lot of problems. If you're defining the rules your way, you're going to have problems. Now, One of the things that we have going on, there's a lot of supernatural activity going on in our days. And and as the Antichrist will come, the Antichrist will be a one-world ruler. Look with me at Revelation 13. Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. I'm going to give further preaching on this in the weeks to follow. But there's a false prophet that comes and props up this one world ruler. I'm not going to all of this today, but nevertheless, you can read this for yourself. But there's a false prophet, there's a religious leader who comes behind this one world ruler and props him up before the world. And behind as he's propping him up, look with me, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword, and did live. This false prophet, if you see someone bring fire down out of heaven, you're going to be like, there's something different about that guy, Right? You're like, wow, oftentimes the belief is that must be of God. But just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's of God. Now, how do I determine the difference? How do I know of these things? And what this is, is this man, is, the, the Antichrist, is, he speaks blasphemy against God. He doesn't want God. They walk after their own lusts. They're unwilling to follow scriptural truth. I can do it my own way. In 2 Peter chapter 2, learning more about these filthy dreamers, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. These false prophets. But they're within the churches that Jude is talking. He says, listen, they're faithful attendees of a church. But the information they're holding and the philosophy of life they're holding is not consistent with the word of God. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, means I'm gonna, their, their own self is their own <laughs> desire. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels which are greater in power might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. 
and you can read further, but in this very thing, verse 13 actually, and, they, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to do right in the daytime, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Hey, come and enjoy the feast. Enjoy the joy. Enjoy living how you want. There's freedom. You can come as you are, leave as you were, live as you want to be without ever understanding that God has a a plan for my life and your life. They allure through the lust of the flesh. They, they, They allure through, hey, you don't need to restrain any pleasures. You can have pleasure. Now I understand just because unrestrained pleasure is a follow your heart. Follow your emotions. i got to tell you, my emotions can many times deceive me. I've had it many a time over an individual. I am pretty, I mean, I am 100% confident in my mind this particular individual is angry with me. In my own mind, I mean, I believe this. In my emotional state, I believe this person is angry at me. Only to contact and talk with that person and realize that's not true at all. My emotions deceive me. If I believe and live just by my emotions... And not, I understand we are emotional beings, okay? So I'm not saying throw your emotions out the door. We are emotional beings, okay? I'm not saying that. But my emotions are checked or they're filtered through the word of God. You know, if the person is mad at me, I'm going to go and talk with them. Hey, are you mad at me? No, where'd you get that? Oh, okay, sorry. I thought wrong, <laughs> you know? You're filtering it. And these people may speak of these teachers in 2 Peter and these filthy dreamers may speak of the freedom of living outside the bounds of Christianity. Now I want you to understand, as I spoke about on Wednesday night, I spoke about last week, this idea that on Wednesday night particularly I spoke about, I'm not obeying God on a whole bunch of rules. Because if I'm only doing it for rules sake, Christianity is miserable. If you're just doing these and thou's and thou shalt not, if you're just doing all of that in Christianity, it's miserable. But if I'm doing it because my daddy says it's good for me, or I'm not doing it because my daddy's saying it's not good for me, and I'm doing it because I want to be pleasing to my daddy, my father in heaven, that's a different, I want to follow his advice because he knows what's good for me and he knows what's bad. My daughter sometimes She'll take something around the house and she'll, you know, as kids, they like to put everything in their mouth and chew on it or whatever else they do with it. And I'm like, please don't do that. That's disgusting, you know. There's certain, she might be, I don't know, licking the dog's nose or doing, I mean, there's just different things she's done. And uh, when she was little, she'd open her mouth and let the dog lick inside her mouth. It's gross. Anyways, after the dog has just licked itself all over and, uh, you know, just, just gross things. But you know what, I mean... I'm, She's lived, obviously. But there's certain other things that she's doing, you know, going to the grocery store and wanting to lick the grocery cart. You're just like, do you know how many hands have touched that thing? That's gross. Giving some instruction. I'm not trying to withhold her. I'm saying, hey, here's some safety. And the Bible is God saying, listen, here's some safety of things to avoid. Here's some things to go for. God has a direction. And if I get away from the supremacy of the Word of God in my life, then I'm losing the ability to follow God. Then I'll be following God my own way. Now we find something that's happening in these dreams here, these filthy dreamers. 
And the same thing, the book of John and in other, passage, in other books of the Bible, the apostles are dealing with what is known as Gnosticism. It promotes a secret society of the intellectual. There are secret things that only we as certain people can know. A certain special group, we've got these dreams that will give you knowledge. Now how do I avoid being deceived? The Bible tells us there shall arise false Christs. And false prophets shall sow great signs and wonders. And we can look and say, hey, God did that. Well, did he really? Just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's of God. You realize this, in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, would you follow along with me here? A person can say God's name, they can say Jesus' name. Because in Matthew chapter 7, many will say it in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess them, I never knew you. They said, in Jesus' name, in thy name, we did all these works. Jesus says, I don't know you. Just because there's a wonder, a vision, a dream, and they can say Jesus' name, if it doesn't align with this book, there is absolutely no truth. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Jesus' Christ's ministry was authenticated of his Messiahship by the signs. That is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 12, 12. These signs were for a short period of time. In 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Apostles. Let me read. <clears throat> so the miracle signs were performed by the apostles. If believers in general could have performed these miracles, even in the first century, the brethren at Joppa, when the woman uh, Dorcas, whom Peter would raise, they would not have gone to get Peter. The believers there would have raised Dorcas back to life, but they called Peter, the sign of an apostle, to bring her. To bring him there, to raise her back up. And God speaks to his people today and leads them by the Holy Spirit in conformity to the word of God. The canon of scripture is closed. We have no more revelation. The Bible is closed. Look with me at Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. Revelation 22, verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God says, listen, don't add to, don't take away from my book, the word of God. With the completion of the Bible and the departure of the apostles and the Messiah, the signs and wonders have ceased as they did in giving of revelation. We'd have no more revelation other than the word of God. Ephesians 2 tells us, uh, 2.20 tells us of the uh, prophets and apostles from the foundation of our faith. They are, the foundation has been laid. Let's look at Ephesians 
These filthy dreamers are trying to get people to go beyond the Scriptures, to go beyond what is written. You said, Pastor, what does it really matter? Because if I begin to go to this extra revelation outside of the Word of God, then there's still this revelation coming, and this book is no longer authoritative. If you get away from the authority of the Word of God, it might start okay for you. But you give it some time, and you're going to be led down a wrong path. People might say, I had these dreams. But the only thing you need to follow is the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. All revelation has been given to us that we need to know from the Word of God. Do you realize this? In a bold rejection of the principle, these filthy dreamers, just as we have today of the Bible, there's a man, influential, he's a Quaker teacher, William Barclay said, he says, nevertheless, because they, the Scriptures, are only a declaration of the fountain and not the fountain of the, itself, therefore they are not to be esteemed the principal ground of all truth and knowledge, nor yet the adequate primary rule of faith and manner. He's saying, hey, the Bible isn't your full, only sole source, source of truth. That's a dangerous, dangerous position. You see, if I get away from this book, the Bible, then I'm now off to myself or I'm off and following someone else. If I begin to follow these dreams, that's a scary path with an uncertain end. But if I follow this book, God's given me the promises. He's given me the end state. He's given me His presence. He's, there, there, I have God's promise of Him being with me. But if I deviate from that onto that which is extra outside of this book, you are placing yourself on very unshaky ground. You're removing yourself from the foundation. It's a dangerous, dangerous position. And realize this in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Look with me here. These filthy dreamers are trying to take the believer. And Jude, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, is pleading with them, please stay with the revelation where we have the Word of God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Because Satan very well may give you something that seems very good, maybe even biblical, in a dream. Hey, I dream this. But that little dream changes. And then what I'm doing is I'm no longer saying this is authority. Now I have got a dream. Okay, that might be a good one. This one might be just a little bit off. And then a little further off. And a little further off. And now I'm following all these dreams down a path that is going to not end in a good state. What might start okay will not end okay. Because I'm, no, I'm getting away from a foundation, now I'm getting to a subjective, relative position. And I'm omitting this book from its authoritative position. This is the foundation. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things are so. They said, hey, we're seeing things go on. How does it align with the Word of God? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, would you follow along with me here? Because if we do not have objective truth, objective truth, objective means it's true irrespective of whether you, want to know, whether you believe it or not. Gravity is real even if you don't believe it. 
A plane goes up in the air, must have enough power to get up off, away from gravity, to get off the ground, and if somehow those engines stop, guess what's going to happen? Plane comes down. Now I understand there's some aerodynamics on the wings to kind of slow the descent, but it's still going to be a whole lot faster than if they had those engines working. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, <clears throat> all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, how to correct my life, for correction, hey, if I've gone on the wrong path, how do I get back on the right path? For instruction in righteousness, hey, if I just want to live and I want to know God and I want to have a close relationship with God's Word. Why? Why do I need those? That the man of God, the believer, may be perfect, that means mature, truly furnished unto all good works. If you want to do all God created you to do, the Bible is sufficient. Look with me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. The God does not give us hidden revelations. Because if he's given you hidden revelations and then this person hidden revelation and this person and these things don't align, well, who's the author of confusion? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. You know, this person might have this vision, another person has this vision, another person has this vision or this dream, and then these things, aren't, these things are conflicting with one another. That's not God. It's not the author of confusion, it's the Word of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old times, in old time, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Yes, God spoke in the past to his apostles. Yes, there were dreams and visions, but the revelation, the canon of Scripture wasn't closed then. The Bible, we didn't have all the Bible at that time. We now have all the Bible. We have all we need in the Word of God. That was there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We have to have a foundation on how I live. If you have a workplace that has continually moving standards, continually moving rules, changing rules, that workplace is going to be chaos. And these dreamers are trying to contradict Scripture and getting people just a little bit off. All, all we have to do, and all Satan did with Eve in the Garden of Eden is say, yea, hath God said. Is that really what God said? Is that really what the Bible means? You just question it. I want to people like this idea of following dreams, following visions, all this stuff. Because, I mean, it's, it's novel. It's curious. But I don't need to focus on that. I need to focus on what does God say in his word. This is what changes lives. Now, there's a lot of things that may look alluring. It looks fascinating. It looks curious. It looks, you know, new. And we like new. We want to follow those things. But it's dangerous. And then, coming back to our passage of Scripture here in Jude, verse 8, these filthy dreamers, they despise dominion. They have no respect for authority. 
They're above it. Remember Korah in the Bible was against Moses? They said all of it. In, in, second, in Numbers chapter 16, for, this, uh, for the sake of time, I'll read this for you. You're welcome to look at it. Numbers 16, 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses. This is Korah and the rebellion. And against Aaron. And said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. They said, Moses, we're all holy. We can all do it our way. We know God just as much as you. Moses, you're not any more special than we are. We'll do it our way. And that rebellion got opened the earth. And boom, 250 people died. God had given authority. Now, I'm not putting, I'm not saying I'm the authority. I'm saying the word of God is the authority. They were, Dathan and Abiram, others in Israel were critical of Moses. They incited rebellion. There was disrespect to parents, caustic towards authority, loathing of accountability. When we are critical and harsh towards potentially even governmental authorities or workplaces. Notice with me in verse 9 of Jude 9, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him, Satan, a railing accusation, but said the Lord rebuke thee. Michael the archangel said, I'm not even going to rebuke Satan. I'm going to let God do it because God's the authority. First Thessalonians 4, 8, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. And so here are these people speaking evil of dignities. They blaspheme. They don't have authority structure. There's, there's no submission. I'm going to do it my way. This church doesn't do it just this way, or this, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else and do it my way. And, you know, there's this constant... There's no uh, settledness. You know what? If it's just not exactly the way I want it, I'm going to go here. And that isn't like that. I'm going to go here. I'm going to jump and church hop and do all this stuff. Uh, you know. And I'm saying, we've got to say, where is the authority? There has to be a settle down. And they speak evil of dignities. Here are these individuals. We have a society of rebellion that is praised. In the movies... And the conduct of these people, in verse 10 of Jude, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves. Their conduct is that they denigrate and lower and speak against God. In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings 18, Rob Shekha was against Hezekiah. Rob Shekha was a messenger of the Assyrians, and he says, don't listen to Hezekiah the king. He doesn't know what he's saying. You can look at it, 2 Kings 18. In 2 Kings, uh, yeah, 2 Kings 18 talks about this. Rob Shek is a messenger. Of the, he says, listen, we've already defeated a whole bunch of other nations with a whole bunch of other religion. Uh, Hezekiah, your religion of God isn't going to work. Don't even bother. People, don't listen to Hezekiah. He's a false king. Don't listen to him. Hezekiah tears his clothes. He gets on the ground. He begins to pray and fast. Oh, God, I need your help. Lord, please help us. Please, I don't know what to say to this man. Lord, we can't do anything. So he goes against this man who's speaking against God, speaking against God's authority, and he pleads with God, please help me. And guess what? The, that, the, the Assyrians are pushed back. God defeats them. Hezekiah says he put it in God's hands. But Rob Shekha would blaspheme the name of God. And these very people, they're willing to revile Satan. Even Michael the archangel would not openly attack one of such known ill repute as Satan. 
He says, the Lord rebuke thee. He put the authority where the authority was due. God. And they despise judges. And this very idea here, speak evil of dignities or despise judges. The judges are, and Psalm, <clears throat> excuse me, Exodus twenty two twenty eight. thou shalt not revile the gods nor curse the ruler of thy people. The gods here would be the judges of the land. And, and here these people are, I don't have to, I have no accountability. I can live the way I want. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. These filthy dreamers. And how is the world going to follow after this false prophet? How are they going to follow after a one world ruler? They've rejected the word of God. You reject an objective authority for what you think is right. And if what you think is right, our emotions change. Our allegiances change over time. Things shift. People one day might not be so nice, and so we go to someone else who is nice, but they could have a bad motivation for their being nice. Wasn't it Caesar that talked about Brutus stabbing him in the back? They flatter you with words only to stab you in the back. I've got to look at God's Word as the authority. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for praise of them that do well. There's submission to God-ordained authority. And these dreamers are, I'm not going to do that. Well, if you're not going to do it to God, you're going to follow something else. You're going to follow something in your life, I guarantee it. But who are you going to follow? Because you get away from God's word, you're going to begin to follow something. Hebrews 13, and then I'm going to bring it to a conclusion this, e this morning. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, that they must do it as they that must give account, that they may do it joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Here's the thing. In this particular instance here in James, the submission to God-ordained spiritual leadership is not for your demotion, not to make you a, a, a slave of anyone, but it's for your protection. You know what? I'm going to join a church. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm just going to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ as the head, and I'm just going to be faithful. You see, we're going to submit to something in our lives. Why would I not want to do it under the authority of God? And you've got to decide, you know, where do I need to be? Where is, where is the word of God? Where is the word of God preached? And I need to go forward. And the fact that we find here, let me get, read a little commentary in conclusion. These filthy dreamers, what they do, uh, what do they know of the new birth or the baptism and dwelling, filling and anointing the Holy Spirit? What do they know of the word of God? You see in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's things that sound really good, and they sound spiritual and scriptural, and you begin to study the Word of God, and you say, hey, something doesn't seem right here. You need to study the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God say? An apostate person is an individual who was once acquainted with biblical truths and they erred. This verse here in Jude, verses 8 through 10, it underlies the drift of a people away 
from truth to an open mockery of spiritual things. Anyone can know something. But as we move forward, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. I'm not going to make God my authority. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Hey, I I know better than you do. Well, let's see what the Bible says. A rejection of God-ordained structure and authority, our government officials, is ultimately a rebellion against God and a travel into witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, the Bible tells us. Christian, our very actions are not to be antagonistic to true doctrine. Doctrine is the very thing that keeps us on the straight and narrow. It's the word of God, the truths from God's word that keeps us straight, that keeps us close to the Lord. If I get away from truth and the word of God, then I'm getting away from a path of being all that God wanted me to be. And Maybe you're here this morning and you said, I've been doing life my own way. You see, God in heaven has a name. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he came that we may know him, have a relationship, be reconciled to him. He died on that cross because we're going our own way. We're going the broad way that leadeth unto the path of destruction. We're going the way away from absolute truth. We're saying, I can do life my way. I can trust in this religion or this belief or this belief. But the Bible says, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And so my friend this morning, if maybe you're saying, hey, I'm just kind of jumping around. Let's not jump anymore. Let's just say I'm going to settle it. Jesus is the Savior. He died on that cross because I'm guilty in God's judgment hall. And I, today I'm going to ask Him to forgive me of all my sins and be my Savior. And you know what, my friend? I don't care what you've done. I don't care all the wickedness you've done. However many rude things or wicked things or evil things you've done, it is forgiven at the cross. You lay it at the cross of Jesus Christ. Say, oh God, forgive me a sinner. Lord, please forgive me. And my friend, if you'll come in that humble state, God says forgiven. Boom, all the bad you've ever done, I don't see it anymore. It's wiped off your record. And you're pure before God. And you're a child of God. Satan desires to steal, kill, and destroy. My friend, settle it. The Bible is truth. The Bible is how I'm going to live my life. As we come to the time of invitation this, eve- this morning, I don't like Number one, do you know Jesus Christ? Has there ever come a time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You've been born again. You said, I know I'm a sinner. I, know, I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me to be my Savior. I know that, Pastor. There was a time in my life I asked him to forgive me. You don't, might, may not remember the exact date, but you know that you've accepted Jesus Christ. If that's the case, may we settle it in our mind. If the Bible says it, it's true. I'm going to follow it. And Christian, and if you don't know Christ this morning, Man, my plea is, please accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You said, I'll make things better, and then I'll come to Christ. Please, no. It's Christ that cleans up our lives. You just have to accept that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you. And so with all heads bowed and eyes closed, a time for you to pray and talk with God, however he may have spoken to you this morning. My friend, there is no one, I don't care how much evil you've done, it is forgiven at the cross. There's not one of us that's better than another. God hath created of one blood all nations of men. We're all equal. I don't care where you come from. We're all equal. And it's all settled at the cross. God only sees two categories of people. Those who are his children and saved and those who are not. That's all the categories that God sees. I trust this morning you'd ask Jesus as your Savior. If you're not saved and Christian, may we settle it. I'm going to stand on the word of God. 
This is my authority, not some hidden revelations or dreams, but God's word. When you're done praying, look up, and I'll conclude us in prayer this morning.